For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let me pray as we come to think about that together. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us so that we can know what you are like. We thank you that we don't have to search somehow for you and wonder whether what we have found is true and right. But we thank you that you show us very clearly what you're like and what your plan for the world is. And so the Father, this morning, would you please teach us? Would you help us to understand more of what we should be like and what we should do in this world? So that both we may enjoy you more and bring glory to you in the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come to uh, Paul's prayer in uh, Colossians 1 this morning. Uh, now, as a, as a preacher, uh, when you start to talk about prayer, it's very easy for me to generate in you feelings of guilt that you don't pray more. Now, please be assured this morning, that's not my intention as we come to think about Paul's prayer. I don't want you to feel guilty about not praying. Rather, as we come to this prayer, what it should do for us is help us to see what we should pray and help us to see what we should be longing for in our lives as well. I want it to be something which would encourage us to pray rather than to make us feel guilty. And hopefully it'll encourage you to pray when you see it, that it is an extraordinary prayer. And as you see how extraordinary this prayer is, you can see this is a prayer which you could pray for anybody when you're a bit stuck. Do you ever sometimes feel that when you're at a prayer meeting and people are praying for lots of other people and you're like, I don't quite know what to pray for somebody. Well, open up to Colossians 1 and here's a prayer ready made for you to pray for them, a great thing to pray for them. You see, we don't need novelty when we come to prayer We need truth. We need to pray the right things. And here is something which would be great to pray for people. And so we come to Paul's prayer. And as I say that, actually, it's not quite right. And Paul's prayer started in verse 3, which we saw last night. No, Paul's prayer began with his heartfelt thanks. His heartfelt and genuine thanks. And now he comes to ask something. You see, last night we saw his thanksgiving in his prayer and here we see his asking in prayer. And so see how he begins in verse nine. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking. Compare that to verse three where he says, we always thank, uh, thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith. You see the same thing going on. Paul has heard of them and it's caused him now to pray for the Colossian Christians. Pray both in thanksgiving for them 
and pray and asking things for them. And remember what he has heard. You remember we saw it last night. He has heard of the transformation of these Colossian Christians. Gentiles who have now put their faith in Christ. Gentiles who are now loving all the saints because of the hope which is stored up for them in heaven. Because of the extraordinary gospel that they heard from Epaphras. The gospel which is working out in the lives of these Colossian Christians, but also all over the world as it's bearing fruit and growing. The great enormous cosmic plan of God, Paul gave thanks for when he heard about these Colossian Christians. And because of that, he then prays for them. And what we will see as we look at this, we'll see Paul makes one request, and then he has a statement of purpose, and then a description. Now, the prayer is going to instruct us in what to pray, but also in what to long for. And as we see the one request, the statement of purpose and the description, we will see what we should be praying for and longing for in our own Christian life. And so firstly, let's look at his one request. Verse 9, you see this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now Paul writes one sentence, again right up to verse 20, but his one request in all of the sentence is this, that God would fill them with a knowledge of his will. That's the one request which arises from his thankfulness. Now it strikes me that asking for a knowledge of God's will is something that we do all the time. Now I've met with people recently who've asked me, what should I be doing with my life? What's God's will for my life? Um, or they, they may say, uh, who should I marry? Now, what's God's will in that? Who should I marry? Uh, often they come and say, should I marry this person or that person? I think if you've got a choice, you're, you're doing really well. Um, <laughs> I, I never had a choice, so the decision was quite easy. You see, we ask for God's will in the kind of day-to-day situations. What's God's will for me in my life? I don't think that's the kind of knowledge that Paul is looking for here. No, it's bigger than just knowledge of what to do in any given moment. It's much bigger than that. It will show us how we should live. But in the first place, this knowledge of God's will is an enormous thing that he's asking. It's going to involve something on a cosmic scale. He's wanting these Colossian Christians to understand God's plan and purpose for the whole world. We got a glimpse of that last night. He wants them to understand more of this hope which is stored up for them in heaven. He wants them to understand more of what they've been drawn into as they heard that gospel as it came to them. He wants them to understand this gospel that is bearing fruit and growing all over the world. The gospel which has its roots all the way back into creation. And Paul prays that they would know that more and more. You see, being filled with the knowledge of God's will is to know God's great and gracious purposes for all of creation. It was into that will of God that the Colossians began to live The Colossians were incorporated, if you like, into this worldwide growth of the gospel. And Paul prays that they would know more of it, understand it in greater depth. And so Paul prays that they would be filled with a knowledge of the will of God. That what they have begun to know, they would know more and more. And it's a knowledge which comes through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
But we should never despise knowledge. I think sometimes there's a tendency in Christian circles to almost despise knowledge, to think that knowledge is not important. And yet knowledge is, uh, the pursuit of knowledge and the gaining of knowledge is something that we do all the time. Now I'm starting to think about keeping bees um, at the moment. And so in my thinking about keeping bees, I've been trying to gain knowledge, so I've been reading up. So I got my, I got my little booklet, and this is the, the Beekeeper's Handbook um, from the British Association of Beekeepers. And I've been reading up on different things. It tells you uh, here about hive roofs and what kind of things you, you need. Galvanised metal is the most suitable metal, apparently. Uh, but I've been gaining knowledge. I've signed up for a course so that I might know something, so that I understand what I'm going to get into if I start keeping bees. You see, we do it all the time, don't we, for work, for hobbies. We want to gain knowledge. You're going to be gaining knowledge and skills this weekend. It's a, it's a basic human activity. And Paul prays that they, the Colossian Christians would have knowledge of God's will. And notice when he prays that, he doesn't pray, I pray that the theologians would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He doesn't pray, I ask that the nobility would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He doesn't pray that the intellectual would be filled with a knowledge of God's will. He doesn't pray that church leaders would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He prays that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. No, since we have heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with a knowledge of God's will. You see, a knowledge of God's will is knowledge for all. It's knowledge for you. And Paul prays this, and as he does that, he instructs us in what we should pray for. We should be praying for each other to have a knowledge of God's will. And it should inform what we strive for and long for. We should be striving for and longing for a knowledge of God's will. And as we think about the knowledge, we're praying to God and asking God to fill us with that. But it's something that doesn't just then drop from the skies into our heads. The knowledge will be learnt. And we will grow in it and understand it more. We will pursue it. And so we should be pursuing that kind of knowledge it's trying to grow in that knowledge. Maybe that's through having your quiet times, through coming to church and listening to the sermon series at church, taking notes, asking questions, discussing with each other so that you can really get into deeply into it and grow in that. Participating seriously in your small groups, reading through the passage before so that you're prepared and, and then as you come, discussing deeply to understand what it means. It's what Paul himself struggled for in his ministry. Just look across the page to verse 28, where Paul says this. He says, talking about his own ministry, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Or a few verses later in verse 2, he says, and my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. You see, it's something which Paul worked for and strove for in his ministry and something which we should be praying for and longing for. Well, you might complain, well, this is just a little bit too intellectual, isn't it? No, I'm the kind of person who likes just to get on with it. I'm a, I'm a bit of a doer. I don't want this, all this intellectual knowledge. I just want to get on with it. 
Well, look what Paul goes on to. We see from his one request, he moves to the statement of purpose. Why does Paul want this? Why does he request this? Verse 10, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. You see what Paul wants? See how practical it is when you grow in the knowledge of God? Paul wants you to live a life worthy of the Lord. He wants you to please God in every way. Now we please try to please people all the time. Again, don't we? No, when I'm told to do something and I'm told how to do it, I want to do it well to the best of my ability because I love it when somebody says, well done, you did that good job there. Do you have that experience of being at uni? It didn't happen to me very often, but every so often I would get really good marks in in an essay and get good comments and it made you feel good being pleased and somebody was pleased with what I'd done. Well, the person that we want to be pleased here is God. We want to please him in every way. Or, or think about it in terms of marriage. Now, when I got married to Kirsty, one of the desires I had there was I wanted to please her. I wanted her to know that I loved her. And so I wanted to express that in my words and my actions. And so I remember early on in our marriage, um, she told me she, she liked pork belly. Her mum used to cook her pork belly. And so I thought, okay, I can do that. So I went to Morrison's and bought these strips of pork belly and cooked them, and they were just awful. Um, and it wasn't the right thing at all. Now, she liked a big chunk of meat, not just these little strips. Uh, you see, I, I had taken something which I thought she liked, but I'd missed the mark somehow. But as I did that, and as she then said, no, that was completely wrong, that was awful, this is what I like, I learned from that. And that's happened in marriage all the time. I've learned things as she's told me about herself, as I've observed things, as I've seen things. And so now I think I can do things which will please her much more than I did when we first got married. Because I've grown in knowledge of her. And as we grow in knowledge of God, then we will know how to please him in every way. And in the same things that I can do things which she likes, I know things that Kirsty doesn't like. So now I don't go and buy her a beer and bring it home thinking that's going to be a treat for her. She doesn't like it. Again, but it's based on knowledge. You see, the way we're going to know how to please God in every way is as we learn about him, as we grow in knowledge about him. And that's why Paul prays. He wants us to know the knowledge of God's will so that we may live lives worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Do you not think that's quite outstanding? That us sitting in this room here can please God, can live lives worthy of him. And the way we're going to please him is through gaining knowledge of his will. Well, the last thing that we see in the passage is four descriptions now we've seen Paul's one request, a statement of purpose, and now we see these four descriptions, and they're descriptions of what pleasing the Lord in every way will look like. What will the people who please God be doing? What will it look like in their lives? And you can see that the translators are wanting you to see these things are, are four descriptions. They use a, a, a colon in verse 10. We talked about colons in the car uh, driving up here and how kind of Punctuation is really important. Uh, Carolyn thought punctuation is very important. Well, you see in verse 10, after it says, please him in every way, there's a colon. And then what follows is a description, is a list of what that will mean. And so the first thing, pleasing God in every way, the first, 
pleasing God in every way will mean firstly, verse 10b, bearing fruit in every good work. Now remember what we've seen, the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world and now Paul wants these Colossian Christians to be bearing fruit in every good work. You see, one of the ways the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world is through believers bearing fruit in good works. And this is not something unique here in Colossians. And Paul says in other places, think about Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Or think of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, those well-known verses. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so some of the things I learn as I grow in the knowledge of God is that I should love other people. That's the heart of God. And so I should have that same love And so I can see how I can do that more and more as I grow in this knowledge. I learn what can be destructive in that. I see that lying about people is destructive in loving relationships. I understand why sexual immorality destroys relationships. I can see why my own selfish heart needs to change and how it can be slowly transformed by that knowledge of God. I see why compassion is something which is beautiful and should be worn by all men. I see why humility is best for others so I don't boast about my own uh, greatness. Although people always seem thought saw through that one somehow. You see, I see that I can't stand on my rights and demand that people do things for me. I see the power of forgiving all through growing in the knowledge of God. And then I bear fruit in every good work. And secondly, being pleasing to God in every way is seen in the, at the end of verse 10 in growing in the knowledge of God. Now that sounds a little bit odd, doesn't it? Paul's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that we will be pleasing to God in every way. And he says an evidence of that will be in growing in the knowledge of God. It seems a little bit of a circular argument, do you not think? Maybe think about it in this way. Think about my weird hobbies again. Uh, So you've got my beekeeping. Uh, But the other thing I've been doing over the last few years is making sausages. Um, And when I started uh, thinking about making sausages, I uh, got some cookery books and read up on how to make sausages. I found out the different supplies you needed. So I uh, ordered my uh, sausage casings uh, in the right size. I didn't realize different animals have different size intestines. And so you can get different size casings for different things. Uh, And so I think I... um, I'll stop at that point. Um, I ordered the meat and I, I ordered the pork fat because sausages have got a lot of fat in them. I ordered all the different spices and I'd already, I'd read up everything about doing it. But then as I started making it and got my hands on the meat and started grinding it up and mashing it together, some of the things the book said started to make much more sense. And when it said you had to knead it and it would bind together and stick together, that started to make sense as I experienced it and felt it. As I started putting the sausages into the casing, I realized you can overfill them because you can't twist them and they just split. As I did the activity, I started learning more about the activity. And in the same way, as we learn about God and then as we start putting it into practice, we learn that the gospel is good and right. 
We start to experience the knowledge of God as well as just understanding it in our minds. And in doing that, we then grow in the knowledge of God. We understand why loving people is so good. We see why some things are wrong, why greed is idolatry. We understand why gossip destroys. We see why enviousness is destructive. We see all those different things with greater clarity. You could summarize it in the words of the Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. As we grow to know how to love God and how to serve him more, pleasing him in every way, that will result in us growing in the knowledge of God. Thirdly, pleasing God in every way will mean, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. You see, not only will we be bearers of good fruit, good works, and sorry, not only will we be bearers of fruit and good works, we will be empowered by God. We will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Now that's quite something, isn't it? Just look at the, the words there, the, the awesome, powerful words being strengthened with all power according to his glorious power. Glorious might, sorry. It's quite extraordinary. And one writer says this, it would not be easy in so few words to concentrate more emphasis on the possibilities of divine power in human lives. And this is the normal experience for Christians who are being filled with the knowledge of God's will so that they might please him in every way. It's a normal experience for all of us. However, when we then look on to see what being strengthened with all power is necessary for, it's quite extraordinary. Look how Paul goes on. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have endurance and patience. Now that's not how we normally think about power, is it? We don't normally think about spiritual power in terms of being able to Endure and have patience. And yet Paul thinks that's what we need God's power for. To keep going requires having God's power. Having patience means that we have to have God's power. It's endurance in impossible situations and patience with impossible people. No impossible situations where you say, how can someone who's not a Christian cope in this situation? I just don't see how they could go on. And we look at the situation and we think, how can I keep going in this? Or with impossible people who make life a misery, to have the patience to keep loving them. Well, this is the power that we need and require. And when we, know the, when we are filled with the knowledge of God's will, then we are strengthened with that power. Well, the final thing brings us a full circle. Verse 11, right at the end. Paul says, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. For us weak, joyless, thankless Christians, the route to being joyful and thankful comes through growing in the knowledge of God. And pleasing him in every way will be seen as we are growing in our joy and thankfulness to God. And as we do that, we'll want to pray as Paul does for more and more of that. Just think where Paul started. He started by thanking God for the Colossians and that they had come to know something of the gospel. And now he then prays for them to be filled with more of that knowledge. And one of the results of that will be thankful. 
Uh, we start back at the beginning of verse three, if you like, and it'll go back through the route again. Keep praying, growing in the knowledge so that we become increasingly joyful and thankful. And Paul then comes back just to that theme of the wondrous, glorious gospel. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, we've been given a great inheritance. We have our own portion of the heavenly inheritance with all the saints. You're part of it. You've been transferred into that kingdom from the kingdom of darkness. Once you were alienated from God, enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. You're in this kingdom because of the, God, of his, the son he loves, because of Christ. You're forgiven in him, not because of what you have done, but because of his son. And you may ask, how could that happen? And how could we be transferred from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves? Well, we'll find out more of how that can be tonight. But just see the extraordinary prayer Paul prays. That his one request and purpose and his marvelous description then of a life lived which is worthy of the Lord, pleasing him. Does that not inform how you should long for and what you want to pray for? Well, let us be resolved to be those growing in the knowledge of God's will and praying for each other to have the same. Let me pray now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the gospel of the Lord Jesus, the gospel which is bearing fruit and growing all over the world. And we pray that we would be those who are growing in the knowledge of your will for the world, understanding that gospel more. And Father, we pray so that we may live lives which are worthy of you. We pray that we may be bearing fruit in every good work, that we'd be growing in the knowledge of your will that we would be strengthened with all power so that we might have endurance and patience. And Father, we pray that we would be joyfully giving thanks to you for all of that. Not because of ourselves, but because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.